0: is jimmy scroggins and i'm the lead pastor of family church in south florida welcome to the church for the rest of us podcast on our podcast we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church so welcome to church for the rest of us Hey guys, welcome back to church for the rest of us. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, as always. And I just wanna remind our listeners that we're doing something we've never done before on this podcast. We are bringing you some of the very best content from our recent Church for the Rest of Us conference.
1: That's right, Pastor Jimmy. We're doing our greatest hits from March 2nd. And today we have with us our very own Karen Brooks and Josiah Kish to talk about how to prioritize a hospitality culture without sacrificing your systems and shepherding practices.
0: And I really appreciate this because Karen and Josiah are masters at pulling people in and lifting people up. And I know that we're all going to learn a lot today. So while they're going to introduce themselves, I want to just jump right in to their uh, breakout presentation.
2: All right. Thank you, Pastor Jimmy. My name is Josiah Kish. I work here at the uh, downtown campus. My main role is really kind of overseeing and spearheading a lot of the connections and newcomer engagement coming into the church. Uh, there's a couple of different avenues that that really spills into, but it's fun just getting to do a small part of the church especially when that church is firmly rooted and established and on mission for the gospel. It makes my job super easy because my job is just, hey, let's get them in the door and get them to hear the gospel. Let's make that easy. And a little bit about myself. I'm originally a New Englander. I came down here, oh gosh, probably about nine years ago now. It's PBA, went through seminary there. I um, came out and been working in this role for about four years. So learned, you know, maybe one or two things, but not nearly enough. I got married about a year and a half ago to a wonderful woman named Kiona, and I get to do this podcast with, I mean, honestly, the real guru with all this stuff. I mean, Karen Brooks, come on.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Josiah. Well, uh, my name's Karen, and I get to serve at our gardens location. Mm-hmm. And my official title is Director of Church Ministries. And that just really encompasses a couple of different things. And one of those is our first impressions team, as well as our groups. Um, but I'm heavily involved in the assimilation piece at our campus. And, and like Josiah, I don't think we've arrived, we don't have all the magic answers, yeah. but we're learning, and we have a great culture of collaboration. And so we love doing this together.
2: Mm-hmm. No, and it, it's a good time too. And you're going to get to hear from a couple different really vantage points, as I'm sure you're aware of this format. I mean, we're speaking from two different churches that look very different. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, gardens is just better than us in, in most things. Maybe there's one or two that downtown is a little bit above, but <laughs> you know, really, this is hopefully going to be beneficial for you because you'll be able to really pull from two different contexts to see, hey, what are principles that maybe I can apply to my church?
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about our basic big idea, which is yeah. optimizing our connect teams to serve guests and to grow <laughs> disciples. And there's a couple of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as as Josiah mentioned, we are at two different campuses. And so things look a little different, but there's some commonality mm-hmm. in the way that we try and implement those ideas. And so I want to talk a little bit about our biblical foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many, many verses that talk about these particular things, but I just want to reference uh, Ephesians 4.12. It's the back half of a verse that's really important. And I'm sure as soon super familiar to most of you. Verse 11 says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And and this is the part that I, I want to focus on here. Verse 12, to prepare God's people mm. for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So I love mm. that because it's not up to the professionals, right? We want to equip the saints to do the work. Mm. And when we have another verse too. Talk a little bit about that, Josiah and Matthew.
2: Yeah, that's just such a challenge to me. You know, I love hearing that where it's like, hey, purpose of the church isn't for you to be the superhero. Right. It's for you to make the superheroes. It's for you to make the people that are doing the ministry. I mean, in a similar vein, a biblical foundation that, that I was pulling from with this talk would be Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 30, which briefly summarize, uh, as many of you know, is the parable of the talents. And a lot of times when we talk about this, again, the, the overall structure of this parable is that there's a master who gives talents to individuals, to servants, and then he goes away for a period. And when he comes back, he sees how those individuals have grown the talents they were given. And they are judged based not on the results, but on the faithfulness with what they were given. So I think that applies to a lot of aspects of church ministry. And we talk about that often, but I think another way that that applies, we don't speak about as often is actually people. I believe the Lord gives people to the church. And I believe that this is just one other a talent that we are given. And I believe that we need to be doing everything we can when we're having people serve, when they're plugged into the church, they don't just need to be filling a role. They need to be growing because how awful would it be for you to accomplish every single ministry goal that you have? And then at the end of your time, go before the Lord and go, Hey, you accomplished all the tasks on your sheet, but really did you grow anyone? Mm-hmm. Did you make disciples of those people that you accomplish those tasks with? Uh, so that's always just a challenge to me is, hey, you know, I'm goal-driven, I'm goal-oriented, but really it's the people that are the most important. So we want to talk about how does that fill in to a discipleship hospitality system, right? Because this system is not just to make it good for guests coming in, but also hopefully for you to grow the people that you're given. Um, but Karen's going to talk to you a little bit about our ministry context, because again, Right from the get-go, we want you to understand what it's like here in South Florida so that you can understand what you need to leave here with us and what you can take from our context and maybe extrapolate into yours. I love
1: that because really it's- Tools for your toolbox, and you have to customize it to your mm-hmm. ministry context. So just a little bit about where we serve and the ministry here in South Florida. So we both work in Palm Beach County. Both of the locations downtown and gardens are in the greater West Palm, Palm Beach Gardens area. But it is a very individualistic type society, mm-hmm. um, a lot of unchurched people. Some statistics say we're about 93% unchurched in the Palm Beach County area. Um, people are a little wary of meeting new people. And of course, COVID did nothing to help that along. We also have mm. a very affluent culture. We live close to Palm Beach Island. Uh, Palm Beach Gardens is known as being one of the most affluent areas in the South Florida area. And people are distracted. We live in paradise. <laughs> so there's always things to do. That that distract people from attending church or mm-hmm. groups or any of that. We have the beaches. We have all kinds of festivals going on. Mm-hmm. So church can be a little difficult to put out there as a great alternative. And we don't want it to be the alternative. We want it to be the main thing. But there's mm-hmm. some challenges that go along with that.
2: No, that's exactly right. Um, it's the culture that we're fighting against. Mm-hmm. You have culture or cultural aspects that you're fighting against with your church. So whatever those are, you know, maybe it's helpful to write down a few things mm-hmm. that you are just seeing in your context maybe some of them line up with the stuff we just said. Again, we're highly individualistic, we're unchurched, wary of new people and affluent and really distracted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a few that maybe hit with you as well, but you know, just to begin, we're going to talk about hospitality, right? Cultures, systems, shepherding, and really we're going to go through each of those line items, but to help with this discussion, I wanted to begin just by presenting us with a definition of hospitality as we understand it, right? It's kind of a buzzword, maybe sometimes not fully understood what it means. You may have a different definition than this. That's totally fine. For the purpose of this conversation, we really define hospitality in our context as removing obstacles for people to hear the gospel, right? Think about the Friends of the Paralytic, right? Their role was getting their friend who couldn't get to Jesus to Jesus, not because hospitality is the main thing, not because uh, we are the main thing, but because we know what the main thing is and we just need to make it easy for people as they come to hear that. And we're not the experts. <laughs> we, oh my goodness. If you ever get to come to our, uh, any either of our campuses, you'll see plenty of dumpster fires. I can tell you about a bunch. But again, the definition that we're going to work off of is that these are teams that are designed to remove obstacles for people to hear the gospel. Aaron, I know you're gonna to talk to him a little bit about culture of hospitality and what yeah. that even looks like.
1: Absolutely, and I love that you gave the definition for this context, this conversation, because a lot of times when we hear the word hospitality, we think, oh, the coffee ministry or the donut <laughs> ministry. Yeah. And, and yes, that is hospitality, uh, but I love that really it's about getting people to a place where their hearts and their minds can receive the gospel. And mm-hmm. so I wanna talk a little bit about Uh, what we call the inconvenience of making a church feel Mm. small. Uh, So both Josiah and I serve at campuses that are rather large, but our network has some very smaller churches that are great. And so we want Mm. to, across our board, make church feel like home, make Mm -hmm. it feel small so that you feel like you're part of the family. That really is one of our core values. So I want to talk about how we do that. And it can be, I hate to say it, it sounds so ugly, but (laughs) inconvenient, but we have to do these Things to help our guests feel welcome. And so, mm. just a few of them is we call these connect calls. And so, we try our mm. hardest to make sure that people are getting a personal touch. And as much as we like to say people don't like to use the phone, mm. sometimes. They do. And I love that. We try and contact them. A lot of times if they see a number they don't recognize, they may not pick it up, but leave a message, an encouragement. Mm. And I want to talk about how we identify guests. So we have some systems and processes that we use. One of them is called our Connect Card. Mm. Great name for it. Because what we try (laughs) and do is have people fill it out. And it's funny, a lot of people will fill it out every week, even though they've been coming to church for quite some time, Mm -hmm. like we're taking roll. But what we're really looking for is that new person or the person who is self-identifying and letting us know that they're there. We have a huge culture of prayer. And so we want to Mm -hmm. know how we can be praying for our folks. And then we're very diligent Mm -hmm. in how we do that, how we accomplish that, both as staffs on campus, but our network at large. So it's very important for us to follow up with folks. We have a new thing that we just started not too long ago called Plan Your Visit, and I'm a huge proponent of that. Mm -hmm. And basically, it is on our front page of our website, and it's just a way to kind of offer a concierge service to people who are looking for a church. And so our Plan Your Visit form is just a simple form that they fill out online, letting us know that they plan to come to one of our campuses, and then each Campus has a representative that follows up with these folks. And then we offer to meet them, walk their kids to class, and just kind of help them not come into a strange location. And it's been so powerful. You know, one of the fun things that I did is I send people a picture of myself. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) this is crazy me. Look for me at the Welcome Center. And we walk them around and help them get plugged into the life of our church. Hmm. So there's other hooks in the water, maybe... Just maybe you could share a couple things that are working at downtown.
2: Yeah. All right. So, I mean, we're kind of talking about a couple different aspects of this whole ministry that we're both a part of. One aspect is obviously engaging with newcomers as they arrive. Mm -hmm. Because Karen, I don't know if this is true for your context. Do guests want to be seen, or do they try to fly under the radar? I think it's both. Okay.
1: Honestly, we have all kinds. We have people, and it's you know it's pretty obvious when they come in sometimes and start looking around, and you can identify them. Yeah. Uh, but there are some people that know where our back doors are and they sneak in mm-hmm. and they sneak out and they don't fill out a connect card. And so we have other ways to identify them. Maybe they sign up for a group or they want to be on a serving team. Those are other ways that we can identify them as mm-hmm. new folks. Um, but there are some people that come running in. Hey, I'm new. <laughs> What's going on here. Tell us all about it. And so first connection is one of the ways that we, we gather mm-hmm. information as well.
2: Yeah. And it's um you know in our context we probably see them try to fly under the radar a little bit mm-hmm. more maybe it's just because you know in some ways when you admit that you're new i wonder if they almost feel like they're admitting that they feel like they don't belong in that moment they're new it's it's something right. they're experiencing for the first time you know whenever i go to a new city or a new place i never want to be picked out as a tourist <laughs> i want to look exactly like everyone else i just want to blend in Um, So for us, like one of the battles is actually identifying the people. How do you even see them? You know, you actually just said it. And I think, honestly, Karen, you're brilliant for this and your team does. It's phenomenal. But hey, if you as a church understand maybe where some of the entry points into your church are, both the front doors that people typically come through, but also maybe the back doors that people try to sneak in. Hey, what if you positioned an individual there and told them to look for specific signs of body language Mm -hmm. that would identify someone as new? That way you can just have a kind of a radar going off where if they see that person, they can go and engage with them. You know, for us, the body language, I always tell people is what you just said. The moment someone walks through a door, if it's their first time there, almost every single time, they will pause for a half second. Really, it's a split second where they pause and they take in their surroundings. They look around. They don't look down. They look up and around. And then they try to hide it. They try to keep on moving and be very confident. That's where you as an individual walk up and go, Hey, you know, my name's Josiah. I don't think I've met you yet. How long you've been coming here for? And that's always good. You don't want to say, hey, are you new here? Because oftentimes <laughs> that'll that'll put them on the spot. Or even worse, they've been coming for 20 right, years. Right. They're
1: not new. <laughs>
2: and now you're the you're the one who doesn't know. But what she's saying is so right. It's mostly about, hey, how many hooks in the water do you have? And by hooks in the water we mean how many entry points are there at your church into a discipleship pipeline? So for us, we we just mentioned a few. Karen mentioned uh, Connect Cards. Karen mentioned also when they uh, come through First Connection, we'll get information. Uh, also, when they check their kids in, we'll get information there too. And we can follow up personally with all of these calls. And it's super mundane. But that's what makes the church feel small. Yep. Which, honestly, I think Gardens does the best at that. You guys have such a neighborhood feel.
1: That's very kind. And I'll pay you later. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, perfect. I do like Wendy's. So. <laughs> All right, so that's like a big triage on just general hospitality practices, right? The other side of it, though, is like, hey, so as we're employing these practices, what are ways that we can use these not as just a tool to help new people get engaged, uh, but actually as a tool to grow the people you already have there? Right. All right, so now we're going to talk a little bit more about the shepherding side of things. Um, So for our context, what we have is, like we said, uh, many hooks in the water that are drawing people towards a single point. For us, this single point, just like Karen mentioned, is called first connection. This is the opportunity for individuals to come into the church, uh, to hear more about who we are, to see if they want to join in, and then also to develop a next step or a connection point for them. I think this is an incredible step for any ministry to have, just a connecting point for individuals to come through. But where do you take them from there? You know, if everything's drawing the guests to there, where do you take them after that? Well, one thing you could do is actually pull them in to the ministry, to the team. Um, I actually think you can function your security teams or your servant teams, I should say, as groups that just happen to serve together. Right. Think about it less of a, hey, we're doing a task and more of a, hey, there's a task that happens to be there. Let's use that to get the person done. Serving is such a wonderful opportunity because it makes you less focused on yourself, makes you less uh, centered on what's going on in your life. And for a brief period, gets you connected with other believers as you're focusing on others. Um, So here's how, honestly, just a few tricks that we do with uh, shepherding within teams just to make it, again, growing the people we're given. The first one is that we actually employ something called a huddle. Mm. Um, This is a brief 15 to 20 minute touch point that all the teams have in the middle of the service. So for my teams, I've got about four teams at each service. In the middle of the service, when it's quiet, when there's nothing going on, typically most churches will let their people go into service and worship. And I think that's a great opportunity. In some ways, there's pros and cons to that. In fact, even within our network, there are churches that do that. At this campus, we don't. And the reason why is because we want to use that time to actually grow them, not only as a person, but as a team. We pull everyone together for what we call a huddle. In this huddle, we go over a couple of different things. We go over announcements, we go over sharing God's stories of things that the Lord did or connections that you had that Sunday. And then we also transition to do either a devotional or a one-point training, and then end it off with prayer. Here's why this is smart, kind of for two different reasons. One, if you employ this within your team, you will be having a automatic way to build relational equity with everyone who serves, not just you, but also alongside each other. Before you know it, people who are 75 years old are going to be hanging out and going to a bonfire night with like young adults or college students. And it's the coolest thing to see that manifested within the church in that way. On the other side too, it also lets you have continual training points Because everybody knows the fires that are going on. It's better to put out those fires before they become real issues within your teams. So, why not include that in the regular rhythm of your team? Make it a shepherding circle, right? The other component is this as best as you can, build the team around the leader, not you. Mm. As much as you are the best recruiter at your church, hey, you may be the best recruiter and you may be the best shepherd, but pretty soon it's going to grow past your ability to shepherd. I think it's incredible that, like Jesus, our Lord and Savior, poured into 12 people. Like, okay, hey, listen, if that's what he was able to do, I would be lucky if I can do one. So thinking about like, hey, how can you pass that around some of the other leaders within your contacts? How can you raise up leaders and shepherds so that they're checking in with their teams throughout the week? They're encouraging them. I'll give you an example. We have a single mother on one of our teams. One of my team leaders is just phenomenal. In fact, they all are, but this guy goes above and beyond single mother, she's going to get surgery. And immediately what he did was he reached out to her. He prayed with her. He set up a meal train so that she is getting food all throughout the recovery process. uh, And is also seeing to all the details that she needs while she's out. And I think about that and I just think to myself, yes, maybe I could have done that. I almost think it kind of makes more sense and makes more of an impact if it's their team leader doing that though. So for us, we try to build the team around shepherding, not you. You employing other shepherds to shepherd their team members. Yeah, I couldn't Um, agree more. Karen, you want to speak on that? Because yeah, honestly, you're better we, at that than well, I Well, and
1: honestly, what I love is the whole huddle concept came from the downtown campus. And so we have tried different ways to employ the huddle. And um, we do that through our kids' ministry teams. They have a huddle. Our student ministry team has a huddle. And our first impressions teams have huddles as well. And again, depending on the task that is required of them, it looks different at different service times. It looks different with the different teams. But I have loved seeing It works so well. And what you said is true. Uh, I know for our team, for First Impressions, we have assigned coaches to each of these little teams. So we have, like you have, four teams. And so not all of them can meet at the same time because the ushers are doing something different mm-hmm. than the greeters may be doing or the hospitality mm-hmm. donut team. But it's been really beautiful to see them not only connecting on campus during the huddle time, but a lot of them taking it off campus. We have one serving team that they get together for dinner. They get together and and do fun things together, but then they also do serving things together. Mm. And I love the example that you gave because we've had similar situations where there's been a need and it hasn't been incumbent on the staff to fulfill that need necessarily, although we're aware of them. It's so much better, Mm. I think, when A group rallies around, a team rallies around someone to both celebrate and also to help in those hard times. And so Mm. I have examples just like you, and I just Mm. think it's great. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can empower um, the laity, as it were, the better it is. That's Mm. what God commands us all to be, Mm. right? Ministering. We don't leave it up just to the staff. And mm-hmm. so the huddle has been a great success for us, and there's always room for improvements. But we love it, and I I highly recommend it. You know, we don't make it mandatory, <laughs> but we do highly, highly suggest it, <laughs> yeah. and we've had great response to that.
2: Mm. And I I think it's also it impacts a few different things, right? When you embrace this philosophy of teams within your own church, it makes recruiting different. And we're not talking about recruiting in this conversation. Really, we would need to get Beth Bonner here. <laughs> Absolutely. <the master. laughs> But, you know, something that she's always told me and challenged me with is that, hey, when you're recruiting someone, it's actually for their good. You need to make sure that's aware. Personally, as you're making it is, hey, you can't recruit them to a need. You need to recruit them to what will grow them the most. So if you are building your teams kind of like Karen's doing to grow the individual, well, that's a different ask. You're not asking them to fill a need for you. You're inviting them in to grow alongside others.
1: And that's contagious, too. Like, I love it when our team members are having such a great experience Mm -hmm. um, from the door holder to a coach. You know, those are different levels Mm. of leadership, but they get so enthusiastic about what's happening, uh, not just as a team, but for them individually, that they become your best recruiters. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot lately. Hey, this is my friend so-and-so, and I've never met them before, but they have a relationship with a team member. And so they love what they're doing. And so they're asking people to come and be a part Mm. of that. And I love when I see that because it's not the clarion call from the stage. Hey, we need (laughs) more volunteers. You know, it's our team members doing the recruiting. And Mm. I think that makes it so much more powerful.
2: Yeah. Now, you know, let's talk a little more about where the rubber hits the road, Mm. right? So, I mean, your line earlier was just awesome. The Inconvenience of making a church feel small. <laughs> I think that's true for hospitality. I also think it's just true for the shepherding of the team members doing the hospitality. Yep. What What are kind of some things that you use in your campus?
1: Well, it's funny. I think uh, a lot of people think the church just happens and we sing Kumbaya <laughs> in our spare time, but we employ some processes and systems to help mm-hmm. uh, make things smoother and and to make those inconveniences as they were uh, more convenient. So one of, these yeah. all sound so basic, um, yeah. but like something as simple as taking attendance. We do that with all of our volunteer teams. We don't take attendance in the, in the worship service. That would be impossible. <laughs> but it is great for teams because, hmm. especially as you get larger teams, our First Impressions team at Gardens is the largest serve team. And there are times when I forget who's on what team. But as we're taking attendance, not only are we... Tracking engagement, but we're helping our coaches and our leaders of those teams know, oh, I haven't seen, you know, so and so in a week or two. Maybe mm-hmm. I should check on them. So that sounds really basic, and, yeah. but it is a tool that we've used and it's been helpful. Uh, contact calls, same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's just keeping in touch because there's nothing sadder. And I hear this so much from people who have experienced church hurt and woundedness. Mm. Nobody even missed me. Yeah. I was gone or I was serving I served at that church for 10 years and I went through something now it is incumbent on folks to let us know when things are coming up yeah. but sometimes it's too painful or it's too hard mm. and so being seen or being unseen mm. I think is is crucial So we want to make sure that we're staying in contact, especially if we don't see folks for a little bit. And then again, the huddle, you know, that I just can't implement that enough or give that enough praise because I think that's wonderful. And then I love that you guys are doing book studies. That's something I Mm. would love for our teams to do. Tried Uh, it, not with great success, but we're mm -hmm. not giving up. But talk a little bit about how you employ like leadership meetings and book studies to kind of help people take their next spiritual steps and get better at what they're doing.
2: Yeah, Something I love about the culture here is that, hey, this is very much a leadership is given away. Mm -hmm. It's not hoarded up. Like, I just think that that that's been modeled really well. And I try to employ that with my team too. So with my leaders, I let them know that there isn't really much of a leadership ceiling within this this umbrella. Like, you just do as much as you want to do and I'm going to invite you into it. So one thing that we do twice a year is we do book studies. I actually require them to read and study and come prepared with questions and notes uh, I know that sounds crazy, but listen, <laughs> if you can lead and shepherd people, you can read a book. So we'll read through one book uh, in the spring and then one book in the fall. We'll meet four times as we do this. And each time the purpose of it is to discuss the content, but to apply one easy principle to our team for the next couple of weeks. And again, this is good because it's a rhythm, right? It builds a continual improvement mindset within your team and encourages your leaders to step into that. And on the flip side too, you can invite prospect leaders into that. So if someone is not currently leading, but maybe you think they could in a little bit, say, hey, I have this book study. I would love to be be a part of it. Would you be interested in joining us? And then letting that be a natural pool that pulls people into leadership as well. I, I think that's just been a, a lot of fun for me because it also challenges me as I continue to learn. You know, just two things that, that you said that were really smart too was, I, I forgot who said this, but whenever someone comes to church, there's really two desires that they have that they're never going to tell you. They want to be known and they want to be valued. Mm. And, you know, as you were saying that about people church hurt leaving because and not having no one reach out to them, you know, I just feel convicted because, man, there are times I've dropped the ball with that where I should have reached out and I was too late. But I also think about the fact that, man, we need to do that. That needs to be a core thing that we do is conveying that value that they bring to the church and just who they are, not with what they do and who they are. And I think. You really can't do that unless you're keeping track of it with attendance. So,
1: no, that's great. I love that you said a thing about when you're thinking of doing your book studies or when you do your mm-hmm. book studies, how you are looking for potential new leaders. I don't know a whole lot of people who jump over to you, raise their hand and say, Pick me, pick me. I want to be a leader. <laughs> Most of the time it's us identifying them, mm-hmm. uh seeing something in them that maybe they don't even realize mm-hmm. that is a potential because le- leadership looks different for different people in different yeah. roles. But I love it when you show confidence in someone to step up to that next role or take that next level of leadership. I think that's a great way to encourage and for mm-hmm. them to be seen. I'm always amazed at when I ask people, would you consider thus and such? And then they're like, really me? Yeah, you. <laughs> you know." And it's been great. So it's just having those eyes to see and not mm-hmm. being content. I've been guilty of saying, hey, the team's pretty good. We got a good number. Mm-hmm. Things are floating. It's good. Always be on the lookout yeah. for, for leadership yeah. potential. And then, like you said, just getting people Velcroed. I love we use that term, getting them Velcroed into the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And serving is just one of the ways that they can do that.
2: No, and that is so good. And we talked about a lot of things there, but really just to wrap it all up is that we want to help you prioritize a hospitality culture without sacrificing your systems of shepherding. Mm. We want this to be ideal for the guests who's coming in, but we want this to be a tool in your belt to help you grow the people that are still there. So, you know, our, our hope is that this can be a maybe encouragement to you to consider how can you turn your teams, not just outwardly focus, but then also into a discipleship tool to grow the individuals that are just faithfully attending your campus. Karen, is there anything else you want to speak in on?
1: No, I think that's a great wrap up, Josiah. Just always, again, don't forget the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're lacking something, pray about it. Ask God to bring those people because we all know the verse about the workers (laughs) and the harvest. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you so much, Josiah. I love your insight.
2: Ah. Awesome working alongside of you too. And Pastor Jimmy, Leslie, back to you.
1: Again, such a great presentation with so much good material for those who oversee church first impressions teams, hospitality teams. I hope you everyone really learned a lot from Josiah and Karen.
0: Yeah, those two are incredible. And their presentation was too. And I love having servant leaders like Karen and Josiah serving with us at Family Church. I hope all of you that are listening learned a lot, and I hope you will join us next time when we hear about creating a healthy staff culture, and Pastor Todd Thomas and Scott Crawford are going to be presenting. I'm Jimmy Scrogg and signing off for Leslie Bennett, Josiah Kish, and Karen Brooks. Church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.